0: to the show. Really excited to talk. 49ers, uh, just about pretty much anything. And I'm excited about this one because we're going to be talking about some roster movement for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh Kyle Shanahan spoke with the media yesterday. Today it was Steve Wilkes. And there is a clear and evident uh movement along the 49ers defensive backs. And I thought it gives a really good opportunity to get into a deep dive and go into Players that are potentially moving up and players that are moving down. And of course, I did a stock up, stock down, in yester- or stock up in yesterday's episode, but didn't really go into the movement it was going to affect on the depth chart. And with some of the recent comments coming out about how the 49ers depth chart is looking at certain positions, I thought it was a good idea to go into it, uh, evaluate how some of these guys played, and how that's going to affect where they're at on the roster. Because ultimately... Here in a couple of weeks, on August 29th, the San Francisco 49ers are going to cut down from 90 to 53. We all know some of those players will end up on the 49ers practice squad, but the end goal for all these players is to make that 53-man roster, and for the 49ers is to build the best possible roster they possibly can. So when Kyle Shanahan comes out and says that the reason that Isaiah Oliver, who's a presumed starter, is playing in the game uh, against... Um, The Raiders, it's because his position is not locked down. His starting spot is not set in stone, which is kind of surprising. Talking about a guy that had a pretty good training camp, uh, but not just that. He also uh, came in as a high-priority free agent. Steve Wilkes even referred to him as the best nickel corner on the open market. So it came as a little bit of surprise that there was going to be some competition at the nickel corner spot. But ultimately, we get an idea of who those guys are that are going to be competing with Isaiah Oliver. And this is a little bit of a wake-up call for Isaiah Oliver. So if he's been feeling comfortable and relaxed you know, with his spot within this defense, the 49ers are waking him up in a big way. And this is not uncommon for what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and other, others have done in the past, is they will use the media to motivate certain players to step up their game. It has been something they've consistently done uh, throughout their tenure in San Francisco. And Kyle Shanahan's done it with a lot of guys, including Brandon Ayuk, who's probably the most notable, where he kind of went out and he said some things. Of course, he did it about uh, Dante Pettis as well, a little bit about Jalen Hurd, and then Hurd showed up at practice the next day. So Kyle knows how effective it can be to use the media to kind of stimulate some of these guys to go out there and perform at a higher level. So if Isaiah Oliver felt like he was comfortable, he's now on notice that he's not. So what did Steve Wilkes say? Well, Steve Wilkes uh, talked about the fact that, you know, Isaiah Oliver's job is not certain. Uh, He said there's a competition there and there's a Rolodex. Uh, That's what he responded to. There's a Rolodex of players that could potentially take that job. And then he went on to talk about how good... Uh, Ambry Thomas, Sam Womack uh, played from the cornerback position. He was very inspired about what they did, how linebacker Jalen Graham flashed and made some big-time plays, and then about safety Taylor Hawkins, who, if you've been on the channel, you know I'm a huge fan. I just talked about him yesterday, and Taylor Hawkins was getting high praise from Steve Wilkes as well, and then, of course, Jair Brown because Jair Brown looked good. He was flying around. He was making tackles, and I think that's always really important. So let's hear. Ex- so I want to go over and I want to just say exactly uh, what the quote was from Steve Wilkes about the nickelback options behind Isaiah Oliver. And he says, it's just really a Rolodex of players, to be quite honest with you. And we did some things today where we put cornerback Deshaun Jameson inside. We moved Demo back inside a little bit, certain reps. And A.J. Parker's been doing a great job inside at Nickel as well. We just really continue to try to find the mix. We love the competition and trying to make sure guys continue to get better. The full call-out. This is a call-out of Isaiah Oliver, if I've ever heard one. We love the competition, and we're trying to make sure guys continue to get better. They want him to get better. They want Isaiah Oliver to reach his expectations and his potential and so, yeah, they're putting a little bit of competition. They're lighting a fire under his butt. And if he doesn't watch out, one of these guys could potentially uh, take his spot. And when Steve Wilkes was asked about Quantrez Knight, and he said, hey, what's the best spot for Quantres Knight? Uh, he called him one of his favorites, said he's very entertaining, a hard worker, tremendous job on the third down play in the game. He gives us flexibility as well. Uh, we put him in at safety with a rotation That he had on Sunday. I thought he did a great job coming up. Running the alley. And can play the nickel position. We experimented with that back in OTA. So again the more guys can do. The more versatility they have. Along with special teams. Is going to give them an opportunity to make this team. So he laid out exactly. The way that Quantrez Knight can make this team. He needs to be able to play safety. He needs to be able to play nickel. And he needs to succeed on special teams. That versatility is Quantrez Knight's. A uh, way to make this team so let's talk about what's going on with isaiah oliver because i think going into the game the thought process was you know the cornerback at top is mooney ward that doesn't change he didn't play uh, but he's one of the top 10 corners in the entire nfl next up is Diamond lenore and lenore uh got the treatment of a starter he didn't play in the game they're definitely looking at demo as one of those guys and i can't argue with them. Demo has looked absolutely fantastic uh since he got to the playoffs last year and that's carried over into training camp. He's made plays. Uh, he's been consistent in his tackling and his run fits. He's looked really good. So Isaiah Oliver is the guy that would normally be cornerback 3. He's the starting nickel and he had a lot, you know, that heads up on potentially getting you know, that starting job. And there's got a lot of reps for your nickel corner within your defense. You're going to play about 70 to 75% of the snaps, which is a lot. And the 49ers are saying, hey, wait, wait, wait. We're not sold on Isaiah Oliver. We don't care that he's got guaranteed money. We don't care how much you know money he's getting per year that he came here as a free agent. We prioritize the best player. And the 49ers are putting him on notice that right now they don't believe he's playing up to the expectations they had for him. But with these comments come the thought, too, that Ambry Thomas has moved up. Because Steve Wilkes talked about the fact that Ambry Thomas, if he played really well, that they could move Diameter Lenore inside to nickel corner. So the thought process was last year, Demo is going to be our starting nickel corner. About week three, that happened. And the 49ers had Emmanuel Mosley to the outside, and they felt like that was a really good a lineup for them, and it made a lot of sense because Demo was so good at playing nickel. Well, now they're talking about another situation where Demo can play nickel again. They practiced him a little bit at it right now. That's how impressed they were with Ambry Thomas in the preseason game. That's how much he raised his stock. They seen Ambry Thomas that they thought they were getting going from 2021 to 2022. That's how much he's improved during the offseason, And how much Steve Wilkes is starting to gain confidence in Ambry Thomas. So, even though we're getting the conversation about Isaiah Oliver taking a step back. And there being a competition at Nickel. It's kind of opening up the conversation about how good Ambry Thomas really is. And I think this is a great sign for the 49ers. Because in the same draft class, they get, uh, you know, Diomno Lenore. And they get Ambry Thomas. And now both of these guys could be contributors. And we went from going into training camp thinking, hey, if Darrell Luter Jr. comes in and excels and Deshaun Jamison comes in and plays well, Ambry Thomas might be on the bubble. That's not the case anymore. Ambry Thomas is making this football team. The way that he played against the Raiders, the consistency that he had through training camp, I think it's a foregone conclusion now, especially with the conversation about him. Well, I think Ambry Thomas is on his way up. I think Isaiah Oliver's taking a step back and is now that uh, position is in contention. So he's going to have to battle for his nickel corner spot. Womack, I think, uh, took a step back because I had him just ahead of Ambry Thomas going into the game. It's not that Womack played bad. I just think now on the outside, Womack goes from being the third corner in or the first corner you know, that behind the starters to being the second corner behind the starters he's going to have to compete. I bet you he'll get a little bit of a look on the inside as well. So I think there's some movement there. Ambry Thomas is moving up, and Isaiah Oliver is now in competition for his job. When it comes to the next guy after Womack, it's got to be Deshaun Jameson because Jameson has that versatility to play inside and out. And I thought he's looked really good. Uh, overall he's got some real smoothness in his back pedal the way he drives on a football is very good uh, he's got very very good instincts as far as knowing when a player is going to go deep and when a player's going to break it off and he does a pretty good job staying with it and i think seeing what he did in college the boomer bust mentality uh, definitely hasn't been on display there's been more consistency and i think that has really helped jameson and now with the conversations about him moving inside and getting some practice inside, uh, he's got even more potential to make this team. He always had the versatility to potentially play uh, inside or outside, uh, but now he can definitely do it. And I think that Deshaun Jameson's rapidly moving up this 49ers depth chart. So I have him on the way up with the nice things that Steve Wilkes said about AJ Parker and some of the things that you know I heard them say in the, the game on Sunday, as far as from Tim Ryan and Greg Papa about AJ Parker, uh, there's a lot of thought that AJ Parker could potentially be something for the 49ers. So I definitely think he's involved, he's in the mix, and uh, he's on his way up the depth chart as well. Hugh Knight, the way that Steve Wilkes talked about him and the way he's got to make the team, I think he's just got to keep competing, but those natural instincts definitely take over. We'll see if the 49ers give him any reps uh, playing nickel corner. I would think if there's any sort of an ounce of a competition, Hugh Knight's name should be involved, and hopefully he will get involved in it. And the last two guys at the cornerback position are Trey Swilling, who I thought played okay in the game, and Nate Brooks, who just joined the team recently. So uh, Nate Brooks not so far involved right now, but at some point, I'm sure we'll hear hear his name, but... Right now, the big news, Isaiah Oliver in competition for the starting nickel job and Ambry Thomas moving up the depth chart and being that first cornerback in, it very much seems like after the game. So uh, movement right now, you know, some of the guys left on the bubble because of this movement movement have to be Trey Swilling and Nate Brooks uh, who are kind of on the outside looking in on this competition. They need to step it up and get involved over the next couple games if they want to be able to make an impact for this 49ers team in 2023. At the safety position, there was some movement there, of course, who and Gibson didn't play. Uh, there's no chance for them to lose their starting jobs. That's never going to happen. But I thought that Jair Brown, who I had had George Odom ahead of him, just because of what we've seen at practice, the way that the rotations were going, the 49ers were always putting George Odom in ahead of Jair Brown. And, Hey, why not? I mean, Odom's been in the league for a while. He's got a lot of potential. And so I think the Four Yards were just very comfortable with Odom. Well, Jair Brown uh, proved that he's going to be a big-time safety. Just the fact that he was all around the football, making tackles, very secure tackles as well, was able to run the alley and help in the run game. To me, I thought it was an impressive performance from Jair Brown, and I think he's sitting very comfortable now as safety three. So I thought there was some movement there with George Odom being hurt uh, that allowed a guy like Jerry Brown to take a step up. What it also did was give uh, Taylor Hawkins a chance to move up because Taylor Hawkins, like I said, has been one of my favorite players in the entire, um, on the entire team for a couple of years. I just liked his instincts. I liked his abilities. And Steve Wilkes, he likes him too. He said, uh, someone asked, how, how is Taylor Hawkins one of your favorites? And he said, just the mere fact of how you practice. And I've seen the improvement from OTAs and minicamp to really translating it into a game-like situation. And then that's what I was waiting on. So I thought he had some great plays. More importantly, I thought he played within the defense. So I was excited to see that. So that's just glowing praise from Coach Steve Wilkes about Taylor Hawkins. And he he got it, right? This is a guy that's been showing it in practice, showing the consistency, but he needed to see it in the game before he could actually say, you know what, this guy's taking that step forward. So I thought uh, Taylor Hawkins did really good for himself in the game, whether that was in run fits and coverage, uh, in special teams, he made an impact. And so I think Taylor Hawkins moved up the board a little bit. We don't know what's going to happen with George Odom, uh, but if Odom is not able to be on the roster, if he's going to end up going on IR, uh, once they you know, go to the 53-man roster, uh, Taylor Hawkins has the potential to be the 49ers for safety because of injury. So that's something to monitor. I don't think the 49ers right now are willing to go away from George Odom and go with younger Taylor Hawkins. Unless he really performs over the next two games, maybe he could put pressure on an injured George Odom. That would be very interesting. So something to monitor. Watch Taylor Hawkins out there in the next couple of games and see if he can put pressure on George Odom. When it comes to Miles Hartsfeld, I felt like this guy just took a a big fall. Uh, He was really bad in coverage. He did okay in run fits. He had some really good plays in the second half in run fits where he came up, ran the alley, made tackles, blitzed off the edge, Uh, did pretty good there. But when he was in coverage, he was struggling. Uh, He didn't pick up a a receiver out in the flat on a boot, and it was a touchdown. And there was another situation where he lost a guy going across the middle, Uh, So I thought it was a not so good day for Hartsfeld at the game. And I thought that overall, that's kind of the feeling from training camp. The expectation was Hartsfeld already knew the philosophy and the scheme of Steve Wilks, that he was going to be able to uh, perform at a high level. And so far just haven't seen that consistency from miles Hartsfeld. And it's one of those things where it didn't happen in training camp is really nowhere to be found. And now that kind of translated into the game. So Uh, Hartsfeld, a little bit of a step back, and that's unfortunate, hoping that he was going to be able uh, to continue his movement, you know, to the front of the line for the San Francisco 49ers. Linebackers, Fred, Dre, you're good. Oren Burks, even though he's got the PCL sprain, they're expecting him to be back for week one. I think he is the starting sandbacker as of right now. And then we got some guys that are making some moves at the linebacker position. I thought Jalen Graham is definitely on the move up, uh, up the depth chart. He for sure moved up. And it was one of those things where the 40 yards went with a a starting group of the guys who were used to their defensive scheme against the Raiders. So uh, Demetrius Flanagan fouls played Mike, uh, Curtis Robinson was uh, playing Sam, and Marcelina McCurry ball was playing Will. And I thought that overall, Jalen Graham, once he got into the game, he outplayed DFF. And so I think Jalen Graham has jumped up even with DFF. I'm not going to say he's overcame him already, but he's definitely jumped up there with him. And now it's a real competition. And if Jalen Graham's going to play Mike linebacker, then there is a real shot of the three young players being able to make the team and unseating guys like DFF and Curtis Robinson. So I thought DFF and Curtis Robinson are now in real battles with the young guys behind him. And I got Jalen Graham jumping up the depth chart. I had him jumping over Marcelina McCurry Ball because I thought he flashed so well in the run game. I do think Marcelina McCurry Ball is still a very solid linebacker. And I think if I had to guess right now, he's got a good shot at making the team. Some things I think he needs to work on a little bit, disengaging from blockers and just reading it a tad quicker. But I thought that was a critique of all the linebackers. Uh, the other one moving up is D winners. I thought D winners did a very good job of uh, showing and flashing on film. He looked really good uh, being able to go sideline to sideline. You see that speed. You see the instincts, same thing though hair slow on read and react. And I think a lot of that is understanding what he's supposed to do in this scheme. So uh big winners, Jalen Graham, D winners. Uh, and then I think you know the losers are Curtis Robinson and Kaiva Tizino, uh, who I thought looked a little bit slow. He looked a little bit out of sorts, and he's, you know, getting on the bubble now of not being able to compete with the rest of the guys. It was already an uphill climb, but now it appears it's gonna be even tougher. So uh, the big winners at linebacker, Jalen Graham and D winners who move up the depth chart, and now DFF is the fourth linebacker. But right behind him, Jalen Graham, Marcelino Perry Ball, and D. Winners, and if Jalen Graham can prove that he's a you know equivalent middle linebacker to DFF, DFF might not make this roster. So it's starting to get very interesting at the cornerback position as some of these roster movement happens, and uh, it's it's going to be fun to watch the four years draft of the linebackers for a reason. It's one of the most competitive positions on the team, and uh, that's what you want. Now let's talk about defensive ends because. Uh, we know Bosa's still not in, but Cleveland Farrell took a step up. I think it was Cleveland Farrell or Drake Jackson. And with Drake Jackson not playing in this football game and Cleveland Farrell playing the way he did, setting the edge, getting the sack on Aiden O'Connell, I think that Cleveland Farrell right now is sitting as defensive end two behind Nick Bosa. Uh, so those guys right now, I think, would start a week one against the Steelers. I'm hoping Drake's going to come back and be able to compete against Denver and the Chargers and make a real competition out of this. The fact that Cleveland Farrell played a lot during this game means the 49ers hadn't decided on a starter, right? The same sort of thing was said about Isaiah Oliver. Also two guys that haven't been with the Forty yards organization, so they're taking a deeper look and a deeper dive. But I think Farrell moved up, so I got him on the move, and that's one of those you know, things you want to see on your rosters, guys going up. I thought Drake Jackson still stays at number three defensive end because uh, even though he had the injury, I still think he's right there in the midst of that competition. Then Kerry Hyder, uh, then Austin Bryant, even though uh, none of the defensive ends beyond Austin Bryant really flashed in the game, I thought Austin Bryant stays right there. Taco Charlton right there. And then I have Robert Beal, the rookie, even though he hasn't played, he hasn't practiced. I got him sitting there because I had to drop Alex Barrett. Even though Barrett has looked so good in training camp, I was very much struggling uh, to watch some of the things he was doing. He was definitely getting cracked. Uh, He was getting kicked out in the run game. And I thought he was going to be a little bit better at setting the edge. And then I just didn't see the pressure that we had been seeing from Alex Barrett. So I thought Barrett took a little bit of a step back as far as the depth chart. We'll see if that is relatable when they get to Denver. If he is, you know, maybe a step back in the forty yards move players like Austin, Bryant, and them up. And I think that'll be on display, you know, on Saturday. And then Breland speaks. He's a new guy at defensive end, so you just can't jump up above the other guys yet. A defensive tackle, we know who the top three are, Armstead, Hargrave, Kinlaw. And I thought, you know, nothing has changed there, even though, you know, I know Kinlaw was catching a lot of heat for his pad level and how high he was playing. But I thought he did have some good plays mixed in there. Uh, with Kevin Givens, I thought, you know, him again against the double team uh, put him in a little bit of danger for that spot as the fourth defensive our fourth defensive tackle for the 49ers. Even though I don't think right now he, he's been overtaken, I think it now becomes a, a possibility there's a competition. And the reason I say that is because I thought Marlon Davidson uh, played pretty good and is going to make a competition out of this. So I think Kevin Givens and Marlon Davidson has become a real competition over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know if it means one of them doesn't make the team, but uh, Davidson is a former second round pick. He has a lot of potential and he's adjusted to moving from defensive into defensive tackle. He's over 300 pounds now, but he still moves at a very high rate. And as long as he can uh, stop double teams and really anchor down, I think he's got a possibility to, to jump up and make this roster. I thought T.Y. McGill was ahead of Marlon Davidson going into the game. I thought he took a step back. It was one of the, um, you know, Not one of the best performances I've seen from him. I wouldn't say it's his worst performance, uh, but he definitely took a step back. Kalia Davis still dealing with the injury. uh, Reportedly going to be coming back here pretty soon. So let's see what he can do. Maybe he can throw his hat into the ring. And then I thought Spencer Wagey just really didn't do anything. And uh, because of that, I left him kind of at the end of the defensive tackle roster. I think Kalia Davis is ahead of him, even though he has injury. So let's flip over to the offensive side of the ball. And let's get to that pesky quarterback uh, competition. And, you know, going into the game, I thought it was Brock, Trey, uh, Sam Darnold, Brandon Allen. And I thought that just from what I had seen at training camp, uh, pretty consistent, you know, that Sam Darnold and Trey Lance have been pretty good at training camp. Well, I thought coming out of this that Sam Darnold outplayed Trey Lance in the game. And even though, you know, both of their numbers were pretty good, I would say training camp was close enough that this thing is just, I mean, dead even. Uh, So I because I thought Sam Darnold was behind Trey, I got Sam Darnold pulled up next to Trey now, so he's on the way up. And I think these guys are legit both quarterback two right now. I think if you wanted to argue that Sam had overtaken Trey Lance, I think that's a valid argument. But because I had him just slightly behind Trey Lance going into the preseason from what he had done at camp, I'm going to pull him up just even. Let's see what happens at the Broncos game. And I think... Uh, this is probably going to become more clear as we get into that game and who exactly overtakes it. And don't count out Brandon Allen because I thought Brandon Allen closed the gap on those guys. I thought he looked really good. He probably would have had no incompletions if it wasn't for the Ronnie Bell interception. So Brandon Allen looked really good. He got rid of the football the fastest out of all three quarterbacks. So uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the 49ers do something with him, even though he did miss practice today with a personal reason but it was excused at the wide receiver position debo Ayuk, Jawan jennings we know ray mcleod's hurt uh, but he's still wide receiver four and he told kyle shannon hey hey don't count me out yet for week one of course that could mean hey i'm gonna be ready week two week three So don't put me on ir so we'll, we'll play that by ear we'll see what they do they might have to for uh, roster reasons but those four guys are clear but on the way up is Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell was in a, a dogfight uh, with a few guys, and I thought he moved up. And I thought Chris Conley, with his play, he moved up. So those guys are up there sitting at that number five spot, number six spot, I'm sorry, behind Danny Gray. But I think Danny Gray would be wide receiver four right now with the Ray Ray injury. But with Ray Ray, he's five. So it goes Danny Gray, who's going to have to get on the field and show something over the next couple weeks because Ronnie Bell's coming on, but Bell and Conley both moving up and creating a lot of competition, and if Willie Snead was ahead of any of them, he takes a step back, and I thought Tate Martin and Isaiah Winstead uh, did a good job, and I think Winstead went from being the last wide receiver on the depth chart to overtaking Daz Newsome, and so the four ers have an absolute log jam at the wide receiver position. I thought all these guys did really good. Ronnie Bell, Chris Conley, Willie Snead, Tay Martin, and Isaiah Winstead all kept themselves in the mix. And I thought there's not a lot of distance between the two, or between the group. I thought Ronnie Bell and Chris Conley maybe pulled ahead of Willie Sneed a little bit. uh, But I think Sneed, Martin, and Winstead are all that next group. So we kind of got a a few tiers here at the wide receiver position. And I'm curious to see what the movement looks like between all of them over the next couple games. It's going to come down to uh, don't drop the football, run good routes, and when you're supposed to block, you better make the best of it. So we'll see how those guys handle it over the next few preseason games. But wide receivers on the move, and I think everyone was really excited coming out of the game about Ronnie Bell and Chris Conley. At the running back position, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, those guys are, are one and two. That's not even close. Uh, Jordan Mason and TDP. Here's where it gets interesting. I think Jordan Mason for what he had did last year during the regular season and playoffs had asserted himself as running back three and TDP has been coming on in training camp and looking good. He looked really good in the preseason. Uh, So I've, I've been very excited about it, but the same way I am with Brock Purdy, not being overtaken by, you know, a quarterback who has really good uh, preseason because of how Brock did in the regular season training camp, keeping that same fundamental idea here and I think even though TDP is closing the gap on Jordan Mason and making this an actual competition, I do believe Jordan Mason right now, because of what I've seen in games, is ahead of TDP. But TDP has definitely closed the gap on Jordan Mason and is making this a really tight race. And I think he's distancing himself from Jeremy McNichols, who they brought in last week, and Kalen Laburn, who really only had three touches in the game, three carries. Uh, so it's a... A lot for the 49ers to decide, you know, as far as those top four guys, which three are going to be active on game day. Normally you don't have four guys active. So it's going to be interesting, but I think it's very clear, minus an injury uh, to one of those top four guys, and I think Elijah Mitchell's getting ready to come back, that we're probably going to see a situation where McNichols and Layburn are cut, and we'll see if those guys end up on the practice squad. But TDP, hey, he's on his way up, and, uh, Jordan Mason better better come correct and make sure he can hold on to that running back three spot because that's the guarantee that you get to be a part of the active roster, being in those top three running back positions. If you're not, no guarantee you get to play in that football game. At tight end, I thought there was a little bit of movement as well because even though Charlie Warner didn't have the best game as far as receiving, he blocked well, so I think he continues to be the tight end too. I know he didn't start the game with Trey Lance, uh, but I see him as end into only for the mere fact that if you're keeping young players you want Warner to be able to block I thought here's where it got interesting Ross. Well, had a really good day He caught the out pattern uh, a lot of people could argue. He's tied into too right now. I went the blocking angle That's why I went with Warner, but Ross totally had the catch uh, He also had the touchdown uh, that bounced off the Raiders safety and landed in his lap I thought that was a good play. I thought Dwelly looked pretty good, but I think Troy Fumagalli looked great. And I think Fumagalli's ability to block, a blocks better than Rostwelli. And then the way he was able to play uh, really good in the receiving game makes him a capable body. I put Troy Fumagalli all the way up to competing with Rostwelli. Uh, so I think this has become a competition that now includes Fumagalli. He's going to have to continue that over the next couple of games uh, but I think he's put himself in the mix where I didn't think he was actually a part of this competition. I believe he is now. And then when it comes to Willis and Latu, I have Willis and Latu still trying to catch those veteran players. Willis has to catch Fumagalli and Dwelly for both rookies to be able to make this team. Right now, Latu doesn't look like he's going to be able to catch one of those guys as one of those top three tight ends. The likelihood is the four are going to keep four. They're going to stash Fumagalli, or They're going to stash Latu and be able to develop him. So right now, let's see how Willis and La2 develop over the next two weeks. I think there's a possibility that Willis can catch Dwelly and Fumagalli, or even Warner if his blocking lives up to expectations. But right now, Fumagalli put himself in the mix, and hey, that's why you go out and play the games. That's exciting. Let's talk about the offensive line, because the offensive line was definitely something that everyone wanted to get into. And at the tackle position, of course, Trey Williams and Colt uh, Colt McKivitz are dead set locks. Uh, We don't have to talk about them. Jalen Moore, I thought, stayed where he was. I know there's a lot of people that are are very down on Jalen Moore for this football game. I thought he played uh, decent, especially coming off a bone bruise. I don't know how that limited mobility. But he hadn't really been practicing in 11 on 11s before the game. So I think it's something to monitor and watch how Jalen Moore performs. But I also saw him at training camp before his injury, and I thought he was doing a really good job. So I'm not ready to just ignore everything he did at training camp for this one instance, uh, but it's something to be monitored because I don't think he moved up, but I don't think he moved down. I think he stayed the same. Where I got the movement is I thought Matt Pryor, who has been in competition with Jalen Moore for that first tackle in, that swing tackle, I thought he had a really bad performance. Uh, To me, he looked sluggish, and he just didn't look confident in what he was doing. We didn't get the angles in the run game. We didn't get him making contact in the run game sometimes. So I question his athletic ability and how it fits within the scheme. And I thought Leroy Watson uh, showed some things. Now, do I think Leroy Watson's ready to overtake Jalen Moore or Uh, to pass Matt Pryor. I'm not sure, but I think he pulled up really close to Pryor and can start competing with Pryor to potentially be that second tackle on the 49ers roster. So they played him at left. They played him at right. Leroy Watson's ability in his first game playing offensive tackle for the 49ers, I thought was on display. What I really like is the former tight end has really good athletic ability and he plays pretty good in the run game. So uh, I like Leroy Watson. I think that's something to monitor. There's a chance he could catch and, and beat Matt Pryor over the next two weeks. So after that, it's Il Manning, who I thought performed pretty well in the game, uh, especially for a guy, you know, that is a little bit undersized for an offensive tackle in the league, but I thought he did a pretty good job and has handled himself. And then of course, Alfredo Guterres is the last one. Can Il Manning jump up and get a part of that competition? I'm not going to say he can't. I think he can't compete. Uh, So let's see if he can jump up there and throw his hat in the ring with Pryor and Watson behind Moore. And we'll see. I don't know if Watson can catch Moore, but Pryor is within striking distance, which I think will surprise a lot of people. At the guard position, Banks, Burford are your top two guys. I think Feliciano is still the third guy, even though he got most of his reps in the preseason at center. He had nine reps total in the game, so they're feeling pretty confident about him being the first guy in. And then Nick Zakel. I mean, he was definitely much maligned. Uh, Everyone was talking about Zakel, going at Zakel a little bit. I still think he's the, uh, the next interior offensive lineman in after Feliciano. And then Jason Poe and Joey Fisher. I don't have a lot of movement on the inside. I don't think anyone did anything that hurt them enough to move them down or did anything great to move them up. And so I think right now we still got two more weeks for them to decide for the 49ers, if they're going to keep eight or nine guys, uh, somebody like Nick Sakel is going to have to make sure he plays at the top of his game and top of his abilities over the next couple of games to secure himself a roster spot because you want to make it so the 49ers just have to keep you on the interior offensive line. And let's see if Joey Fisher can get you know anything going. I think he's likely to be on the practice squad. But so far, we haven't seen that dominant force we've seen at Shepard College in the NFL, and Chris Furster had said it's going to be a tough transition because they learned different scheme at Shepard. So uh, Fisher going to keep watching, and same with Jason Paul. But let's see. I think right now the guards are kind of looking the exact same. When you're talking about the center position, Jake Brindle, uh starter Feliciano, nine reps, he's starter. And then the third guy in was Ishmael. Um, you know, Ishmael had moments where he looked good, moments where he struggled. But I don't think he moves very much. And then Corey Luciano, you know, is the fourth guy. And I thought uh, Luciano, you know, played hard, but overall I didn't think there was any movement at the center position. So uh, just not a lot of roster moves, you know, along those kinds of spots. The big news was uh, mainly in the on the defensive side of the ball and the cornerback position. And when you got a defensive coordinator like Steve Wilkes, uh, that's a cornerback whisperer, as they've called him. Uh, that means that's where you're going to have the most competition, and it appears – that's where they're having the most competition. Uh, so I'm I'm really excited to see this thing play out through practice through the week and then ultimately what it looks like when the 49ers play the Denver Broncos on Saturday. So thanks, everyone, for coming through. Uh, like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already um 49ers cut back on believe if you're listening on an audio platform give it a five-star rating i really appreciate that and i appreciate everyone that's been coming through and watching the content i really appreciate every single one of you you guys truly are the best I'm enjoying 49ers football break, watching film uh breaking it down and there's going to be plenty more content coming your way hope you guys will join me for all of it but until then stay safe And remember the right way is always the 49ers way.